it's not yourself, it's your family. So you've got to have that conversation with your family. Like the things that they're used to will come. They won't come straight away. You know, for me, certainly, I left with, I sort of planned, but I hadn't planned enough. And I always say to people, whatever revenue figure you think you're going to make, halve it and double the time. Welcome to the Conscious Business Podcast. I'm your host, Phoebe Lay, and I'm so excited that you're here today. On our podcast, we are going to be talking about the things that inspire you in business to help you create a conscious brand that will not only build credibility and give you more opportunities in your business to thrive, but also help you to create in a deliberate, conscious kind of way. This is a place where meaningful conversations will inspire you to create, pursue, and thrive and shine in business. Hello, Paul. How are you today? Welcome to the Conscious Business Podcast. Great to be here, Phoebe. It's great to have you. And wow, what, I mean, it's such a, I think, since we've spoken, every time we've spoken, it's been there's been so much change and you're doing so many amazing things and I'm so, so excited to talk about this on the show. But before we go in, I'm going to firstly introduce you so that my audience know a bit more about you and the background of what you do. So Paul is the founder of Paul Higgins Mentoring and also the Sales Machine. Paul helps business owners to scale and live a life with no limits. He's had over 29 years of rich business experience with 18 years working at Coca-Cola and running his own startups for 11 years, including a successful exit and has mentored over 271 business owners. Paul loves to help build profitable and sustainable businesses delivered in an Accelerate Sales program. And what he has learned from the Coca-Cola company and running his own startups is going to be explained in today's interview, but also is incorporated in his methodology when he works with business owners. Now, Paul, at age 18, you were diagnosed with a condition called polycystic kidney disease, and that obviously changed your life. Knowing what was to come, you changed the way you approached your life to live your life in full, where you challenge yourself even more as a continual learner and you help others make more impact. With over 18 years in corporate, you've basically taken control of your health and transferred your system thinking to the cloud industry. What a profound, I guess, background and experience. It seems like there is so, so much that you've experienced. There's so, so much that um, we have to learn from you. And for those that are tuning in, that are listening, Paul Higgins, he's got one of the most incredible we call it the sales machine, which is a system that basically allows business owners on LinkedIn to have a tool that helps them to get more engagement. Now, Paul, I'd love to know, you have such a vast career and experience and so much experience, especially in corporate and working at Coca-Cola. What were one of the things that you discovered or what were the things that you discovered from working in corporate, in Coca-Cola, that was different when you started your own business and when you're helping business owners and companies with their startups or with their products and services? What were the main differences between corporate and working for yourself? Yeah, well, I suppose I had two examples. So one is, yes, we did get 
a view into a lot of companies because I worked at the one Coke company, Coca-Cola, for all that 18 years, but you know, we had thousands and thousands of customers. So I was always seeing how other people operated. So in a way, it was like you were being taught a practical MBA by customers that you saw. But the Coke company, what I always remember of the Coke company is just they're always forward thinking. So, you know, they've been around for 150 years, but they're always thinking about what can we do next? What innovation? What's the latest thing? So it was never like, you just never got a chance to really rest. It was always, well, how do we sell? How do we sell more? How do we add more value to customers? How do we service consumers better? So it was like that ever pursuit of improvement that was something that really, like when you're working in that environment, you just take it for granted that every company's like that. But when I went and did some consulting for some other large companies when I left, it just wasn't the same culture. So I think that's the one that really stood out to me at Coke. And then that transferred across into my business. So whether it's nature or nurture, I am an avid learner. I love to constantly think of how can we do things better? How can we innovate? So I think by nature, I'm that way, but also working in a system that promoted that was fantastic. And then, you know, often when I've mentored other companies and they've had other experiences, it's just not the same energy and it's just not the same passion, I suppose, to innovate and to change is what the Coke company was. Because ultimately, it's sugar and water, right? It's not a sophisticated product, but the way that they did business was very sophisticated. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Are there any drawbacks to having a sophisticated system and, and an established system compared to when there's a lot more room for change and ideas and new ideas because a business is perhaps more new or maybe even less rigid? Was it flexible? What was it like? Overall, it's hard to move the Titanic, right? So it's a, it's a massive business and yes, they were innovative and they tried, but some things were difficult to move. And I think one of the things is Coke Company made so much money out of its main products, which is predominantly, you know, cola and Coca-Cola in particular, that if you were uh, trying to start another business in another category that was more innovative, it was very hard to do because, you know, they'd say, look, there's a three-year payback sorry, we want a three-year payback. And I'm like, well, actually, you know, for some of this innovation and, and the cutting edge, it's very difficult to say, yes, we will give you a three-year payback when we're implementing capital. And they wanted to manufacture, like the best thing was to produce one product and just run that line as quick as possible, right? Whereas for me, I was innovative in the juice and the dairy industry. I headed up those and they just couldn't get their head around the fact that the unit economics was going to be lower because it wasn't a one two-litre bottle that was just constantly running down the line, right? So, yes, I think there was a lot of drawback. And, and we used to have – I acquired a lot of companies and then tried to integrate them. And we used to have a joke where we said we'd turn small companies into smaller companies because that culture, right, there was process. Like the quality of manufacturing facilities that the Coke company had was second to none. But you'd go and buy a company – and it wasn't to that standard. So you would effectively nearly send it broke straight away just by implementing the standards that the Coke company did. So yes, it was great to be part of a global business like that with a, a long history, but yeah, it did have its drawbacks when you were trying to innovate or when you're trying to do some startups like uh, I experienced myself. Yeah. Wow. And did you see yourself 
when you started working there, did you know that you'd be there for such a long time or did it just happen that you ended up there throughout those years? Were you, I mean, obviously now in current times, it's rare. I mean, it might also be that I'm, I guess, a millennial and and the way we look at jobs is two to five years is, for me especially, it's a long commitment because I think a lot of people tend to want to have challenges and and be creative and change and very adaptable to change did you think that it was going to be such a long time or and was that something that really enhanced what you do now with obviously the sales machine that what you do with cloud business owners as well and your mentoring program yes so in short no so my dad worked there so he worked there for 25 years so Ever since I could walk, I remember Coca-Cola. So, and they had a policy of not employing children into the business. So it was like, no, never thought. Long story short, I finished my second degree. I was about to go overseas. They were desperate for a rep. I said, I'll do it for six months until I find what I really wanted to do. And then it was 18 years later. And and the reason for that is because they were so innovative and they promoted you every 12 months. Or, you know, like if you weren't promoted within two years, you knew that you weren't doing a great job, right? So it just constantly evolved and the business constantly evolves. So, you know, like we started as only soft drink. Like by the time I left, we had uh, alcohol businesses, we had like juice and dairy businesses that I'd started. So the business constantly changed. And to me, look, I know it's, you know, people now, if I look at a LinkedIn resume, it's like, wow, instead of changing jobs, you're changing companies every two years. And I get that. The thing I've always gone back to and a mentor said to me is what skills are you collecting? Right. So when you've, if you want to list down all the skills that you want or the competencies you want, and if your current employer can't give you those, well, then look for somewhere else. But I was very fortunate that every time I wrote that list down, the co company provided those for me. So, yes, I had opportunities to go to other companies, but I'm like, you know what? I'm actually getting all of this already with a company that I loved and also people that I loved. So that's why I stayed 18 years. But no, to answer your question, never had any intent to spend more. I actually never had any intent to work there full-time at all. Mm, wow. And how incredible that you ended up there 18 years and discovering obviously the ins and the outs of what they do and such a successful organisation empire. Yeah, and, and and I think the the biggest thing is that when you've got so much success, it can be also – it's like someone's strengths, right? If you've got a great strength – overplayed it can become a weakness i think with the coke company i could see especially here in australia that sugar was becoming public enemy number one you mentioned before that i've got a condition called polycystic kidney disease it's a natural so 50 50 at birth that i that i get it so unfortunately my kids have got a 50 50 chance of having it as well but you know it was passed on but a lot of people that sit on dialysis and have kidney failure are through consumption of sugar which causes you know diabetes and type 2 diabetes so I'm sort of sitting here thinking, look, I love this company, I love the career, but do I really want to continue to work for a company that is you know, actually still putting a lot of sugar into to consumers around the world? And I could see the writing on the wall that that was going to become difficult, right, for them to overcome that. Because I remember once seeing a commercial where we used to be, if you looked at it, there was cigarette companies, alcohol and, and soft drinks were the three biggest sponsors of most sporting events. I watched an ad just before I left where no sugar was actually the sponsor for the cricket. I'm like, wow, just how much 
things have changed in those 18 years and I saw that it was going to be tougher and tougher and that sort of played out. So the, the share price didn't really move forward because, yes, they've tried to innovate, but because they made so much money out of sugar, it was very difficult for them to move away from it. Yeah. And did that kind of change your view on health and wellness? Was that something that, what was the culture like in terms of wellness back then and how has it changed now or do you think that's changed at all? Yeah, look, definitely. So when, now when I first started, it was like everyone just drank Coke. But when I left, I was probably the world's biggest consumer of water. People used to laugh that you'd walk into my office and I'd have like five or six, you know, half empty bottles everywhere. I just drank lots of water, which was great for my kidney health, right? So I think it got much, much better. And, and I haven't been there for 10 years, so I don't know what it's like now. But I, I do think as the consumer trends change, so did the internal trends. But there's some people that would drink maybe 20 bottles of Coke a day, you know, at work. So, you know, that's just not good for you. So for me, yes, the reason I left was to really take control of my life so I could run my business from a hospital bed, which I ended up doing. So that was the reason I left. But part of it also was, you know, the fact that I needed to take care of myself, like stress. Stress is something that was going to lead to my kidney failure. You you only get, at best, with a transplant, you might get 20 years. You can be an outlier. I'm going to be one of those. But it might be 20 years and the longer you can last with your natural kidneys, the better. And ultimately for me, that meant that the healthier I live my life, the less stress, less flying, the less everything else that unfortunately corporate life often brings meant that I was going to be better. And to the point in November, 2018, I actually had a surgery to remove one of my kidneys. It was quite large. Think of it like a half of a soccer ball. It was sort of that size. And yeah, my surgeon I woke up in ICU and the surgeon said, you know what, if you hadn't prepared yourself, we wouldn't be having this conversation. He, I won't go into the details, but I, I was so close to passing. Wow. He said all the hard work that you'd put into your nutrition and your health and leaving corporate and all of that is basically what saved your life. So to me, yeah, it was really big. And you know, I, all of you watching or listening now, you know, just have on your birthday, just have a full medical, right? You know, how many stories do you hear where someone's had something wrong with their health and on reflection they thought why don't I just get that checked right it's a 45 minute session with a doctor once a year and they'll bulk bill it so it won't cost you anything but you are the most important thing on the planet just take care of you and uh, I was fortunate I was forced that way because of my condition but a lot of people haven't got that but yeah I, I strongly recommend that health is number one and running your own business it's an oxymoron right because You've got more time to look after your health, but also because you're so addicted to running your business sometimes, it can get away from you. Oh my gosh, I totally agree. And I think putting your health first before your business or your career or finances is way, way, way more important because ultimately, no matter how much you're making, you're not going to be able to spend it and enjoy it if if you can't live long and well when you're wealthy and I think a lot of people forget that and one guest that I've had on the show Richard Patterson speaks about the importance of knowing who is relying on you and your health so we forget that our health is actually not about us but also the people that rely on us yeah well I took 2016 I took my family so I've got two children and my wife I took them overseas for eight weeks because I'm thinking this could be Let's play, hope for the best, plan for the worst. So I thought, well, yeah. if I don't make it, something happens, whatever. 
at least we've had that experience of a lifetime, which we still talk about at most dinners tonight. It was just a brilliant experience. And then also I built a new house prior to having the transplant as well. So I really prepared everything with the view that might not make this through. And like I said, I was, I was forced into that situation. But the lucky thing is if you've got your health already and you also do the same thing, you're just going to be better off. Yeah. And so when did you start to realize that, I mean, did you start your own business after the diagnosis or when did you start realizing that you had so much? Because to me, you're like a business coach. I see you as a business mentor, a guru in this space, like sales and marketing especially is one of your fortes. Did you know that you had a knack for that or did you kind of fall into that after the diagnosis? Well, look, the fortunate thing is I knew this at 18 that I had the condition, but tell an 18-year-old to live a different life, very difficult, right? So I think through my brother's got the exact same condition and he's in a career that didn't travel, didn't have as much stress, et cetera, and he's not. Now, everyone's different, but one way of looking is that, yes, my path in corporate was fantastic, but it probably also led to my kidneys failing maybe sooner than others but yeah so it was sort of something in the back of my mind and then just as my kidney function got lower and lower it's called kidney fog where you basically can't remember anything it's like having your worst hangover if you're not a drinker you haven't had sleep for 24 hours it's that feeling all the time and it just reduced my capacity to work so I sort of knew then that, okay, I've got to do something different. And look, Coke is an amazing company. It's very supportive, but I didn't want to rely on them to look after me, right? I didn't, yeah. and especially being a director, it's not as if it's a job you can do part-time or something, right? It was very, very demanding. It's an intense role, so, and people want to do that role. And I didn't want to hold people back that were at full capacity because I had this inherited condition. So that's why I left and that's why I sort of set it up. But I started as a coach and coaching of people because I love people. I love that. But I realized as a coach, I wasn't very good. I made a much better mentor because of all my experience. And now I listened to two hours of podcasts a day at two and a half times speed. I've cataloged every book I've ever read. I, now when I used to move, it was a nightmare because I had like a room full of business books and thinking I've got all this knowledge. I'd love to share it. So that's when I moved to mentoring. And I also realized that I love people that, their business meant so much to them. Like corporate's great, but when you get home, you've got the paycheck and yes, you work hard for it, but you know that someone's got your back, right? Whereas in your own business, if you lose a major customer or something happens, that impacts your school fees. Like it's a completely different environment. So I wanted to work with people that had a passion for what they did, were really invested, but I could make more of a change and a difference with them than what I could in corporate. I absolutely agree and I love that you've brought this up because I think that there is this misunderstanding that business is the dream and I think for many of us business is the dream but it does also like you mentioned come with a lot of risks and it can happen quite quickly whereas we can scale very quickly as well but business owners can also lose it all very quickly as well but you mentioned that, that stability, which I think is great, especially when people have kids and like you mentioned, school fees. Wow, I, I can't imagine what it would be like for a parent to have to take their child out of a private school into a different school, for example, because of their business. So that's a really great thing that you mentioned. And it's very humbling, right? Because Coke, we sort of five-star everything. 
And then I remember the first hotel I went to in Sydney, it was in uh, Redfern, if anyone knows uh, that area of Sydney, it's uh, a little bit rough. And it was like a $70 a night accommodation. So I'd gone from, you know, staying wherever I could five star to that. It's definitely humbling. And the things that you used to do and that cash flow, it'll take you a while to build that up. So you've, the most important thing and the best advice I could ever give is it's not yourself, it's your family. So you've got to have that conversation with your family. Like the things that they're used to will come, they won't come straight away. So I had to say that, look, we won't have holidays for 12 months. We won't do these things whilst I build. And then I was fortunate to take my kids all around the world with my own business and you know, they had amazing experiences because to me, we don't send our kids or didn't send our kids to the top private schools, but what we wanted to do is show them the world. So that's what we did. We sort of invested the gap into travel. And I was able to do that with my own business, but there was a, it didn't happen straight away because, uh, yeah, look, you know, for me, certainly I left with, I sort of planned, but I hadn't planned enough, if that makes sense. And I always say to people, you know, think you're going to, Whatever revenue figure you think you're going to make, halve it and double the time. I think that's so important, Paul. And I think that what you're sharing right now is the reality of what it's like to be a business owner for a lot of business owners. And I, yeah, I agree that we've got to have a plan. And without a plan, we plan to fail. And and also we've got to, it's important to be optimistic, but it's also very important to be realistic as well and to plan with figures that are conservative so I think that's great Paul I have a I sorry Phoebe if I can just say one quick thing there is yeah go and I think the biggest thing that I didn't do like I got a coach to basically decorporatize myself and make myself better at small business so that was great and I've always had a coach or a mentor myself but I think the thing I didn't do quick enough is to find a community where people had walked in my shoes so that's why these days I love setting up communities because it was something that I didn't do at the start and it would have helped me so much. So don't think that all the challenges you're having, most people have already gone through them, right? You're a unique individual, but your circumstances are unique. So try to get support, you know, through Phoebe, through other ways so that it's not as hard. Don't think that you've got to like in corporate where you've got to, you know, like it's very competitive and you don't often talk about your challenges with everyone else, right? In small business, everyone wants to help. Like a small business owner wants to help another small business owner, right? Because we're not fighting for the next job. We're not fighting for the next promotion, right? It's a big global world out there. So I think that's something that I've learned and something that I think you should look into as quick as as possible. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I think that uh, the mindset in business is that there's enough for everybody. So even like one of my good friends is in marketing and does almost the same thing as I do but we both know we've got different strengths that she loves websites and even though we offer web I love social media so we both still refer clients to each other when we don't have the capacity or when it's just easier for the other person and we know it will benefit the other person more so I totally agree that it's a different way of thinking for sure in business. Now, you transferred your system thinking to the cloud industry. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So look, I've always had a love for technology. I remember as a brand new rep, I was the first one to get a mobile phone. And it was funny that I kept winning all the awards and they were saying, this guy's cheating. What's he doing that no one else is doing? And what I used to do is call the customers and go into the store and I'd say, hey, if you call me on my mobile phone, because there wasn't many back then, I'm 
can't see my hair, I shave it off because it's grey. And that's the reason why I shave it off. I actually can grow hair. But I said, call this number, costs you 60 cents to call me. But if I can put up the display quicker by you telling me when the stock's arrived, you'll sell more. Yep. Simple math. Great. That's why I kept winning all the awards. And, And I think I've always done that. I've always looked for ways that technology can help expedite. So for me, I love people. But technology helps me get there a lot quicker. And also I had a, the other thing I fully believe in, which I learned from the coke company, is having people to support you. So I ran a VA company in the Philippines for the two reasons, so technology and VA. So it wasn't, I suppose, by I've always done that. So when I finally looked at businesses and thought, hey, most of these people don't know the right technology to run because they're so busy serving their customers they don't have time to do that. They've got the knowledge, but they just don't have the time. And the other is around people. So that's what I did. I started a tech business, a VA business. VA business, I had to let go because I couldn't travel there anymore because of my condition. And then the tech business, I had a partner and we built that up and ended up selling it to a Google partner. But no, that's so why do I love helping cloud consultants? Because I've been one. And I've walked in their shoes. I was, we had our ups and downs. We ended up on a high, but it was difficult for a lot of time so I just love to help people in a similar position to get there quicker than if they did it by themselves. That's amazing and I I love that you are so passionate about all the different ways you can help business owners and problem solve for them because everything that you've mentioned I'm like yep VAs we need that like systems and processes for sales and marketing you've got that down pat like in fact, I would love to for our audience to know a little bit more about the sales machine because obviously I've had that firsthand experience and I know and that's why I have you on the podcast because I genuinely feel that it is something that will benefit a lot, a lot of people, particularly ones that are focusing on LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn is a platform that's very different to Facebook and even though we're live on Facebook right now, My major audience is on LinkedIn. My sales and marketing is from LinkedIn and that's where the majority of my time is spent. So can you tell us a little bit about what you've created? Yeah, sure. So it just once again happened out of my own need. So my surgeon basically said this was February. I got a transplant from my best mate, Brendan, which Brendan, if you, I don't know if you watch this, he's not on Facebook, but yeah, an amazing person. If you're not on the register, please donate. He or put your name on the register. But the surgeon said, everything's good. You can go back to your normal life. I'm like, oh, I was hiding up behind my health in a way, saying, look, I can't really grow my business any bigger because of my health, blah, blah, blah. So all of that was removed. So I was like, oh, what am I going to do? So long story short, I went to one of the best people in the world through my network that focused on LinkedIn. He did LinkedIn for Tony Robbins, Jay Abraham, some of the biggest names in the business. And he sort of looked at my story and said, look, I'll help you. So he was amazing. He doesn't like to be mentioned because of the people that he works for. But yeah, in a matter of months, I was effectively couldn't keep up with the clients. And there was three simple things with LinkedIn. One is just get your profile right. Because when was the last time that you went to someone's website before their profile, right? Most people now, they'll go to your LinkedIn profile before they go anywhere, right? So make sure that's the best version of you on there. The second is post content because you're adding value to people. That's great. But also when people want to like, know, and trust you now because they will already normally have made up their mind whether they want to work with you or not based on the content you're putting out there. So if you're putting out great content and people really know you, 
and they like you and they trust you, that's a greater chance. And then the last one is just tapping people on the shoulder that could be great prospects for you. And in the sales machine, it's a do-it-yourself model where we effectively give you all the information that you need to get those three things right. You just do it with your team to implement that. And we can provide some team members if needed. So that's there. But we'd rather do that than, unfortunately for a lot of people, I've spent lots and lots of money with experts and they both had great intent, but it hasn't worked. I'm like, well, I've been down that path. I've tested everything. I know what works. Just come in, join peers that support you and effectively will build your profile, build your engagement and your like, know and trust factor and will also help you tap on more shoulders. Mm, That's fantastic. And I love what you say about the bio and, and the fact that people, that's the first thing that people see, but often the last thing that users remember to update because so often we think we've got to post more often We've got to get the engagement high. We've got to reply to messages, reply to comments. But we forget that from time to time, our bio actually needs updating. So that's a really very, very awesome point. Yeah, and I think I should just clarify around the do-it-yourself model. Like do-it-yourself just means that you're not paying an expert to do it, but that doesn't mean that you can't get other experts to help you. So I know, Phoebe, you've been great with some of our community with helping them write content, right? And you know, what you can do is bullet point some stuff or even sometimes what I used to do is just uh, record my thoughts and get someone like someone in your team, Phoebe, to write the post itself and then come back and just approve it. So a lot of people say, I just don't have time to do social media. I'm like, what? it doesn't take that much time if you direct it and you're given the resources in the right way and then you actually use experts to, to help you. But experts that aren't charging you lots of money based on all the theory right and i think that's where you know because the biggest mistakes i made when i left corporate was thinking that everyone was the same as a supplier to coca-cola that they just did what they said they'd do and i got burnt so many times it's probably in hundreds of thousands of dollars where i picked the wrong person and, and often it was my fault it wasn't their fault it was my fault being inexperienced know, trying to shortcut things too much. But I think if you can, instead of taking the expensive experts at the top, if you can use some great people, which we give you what the top experts would pay in a small monthly fee, and then you can use someone like Phoebe, et cetera, to do the content. So do it yourself. Not really. It's actually being smart around how other people can help you. And I think that it's great as well what you do because – You're helping people with not just like what we've discussed so far, but it just came to mind that you also help people with the right tech. Like you have a passion for new technology and programs. And I know we both love Airtable. That's something that we have a mutual, we mutually love Airtable in the way it can, it's almost like a fancy spreadsheet. But there are so many programs out there as well that really help a business with enhancing their time and their teams and making sure that things are run smoothly and, and that you don't have to, it makes things less manual as well. And, and some of those programs that you've encouraged us to use have been really great, like ones for our CRM or client relationship manager or scheduling tools, etc. 
Yeah, and and all I do now, I've started a new community called the Cloud Consultants Collective, and it's basically just putting all the people that do that for a living together. So if you think about, I've got small influence on the world at the moment, and what I want to do is actually help those that have got a greater impact, a greater influence. And, you know, it's like a spreadsheet. Remember, you've done a spreadsheet before and you've sort of never done it before. You set it up and then halfway through or even at worst later, you think, oh, God, if I had to just set that up in the right place, uh, the right way the first time. And I think technology is a bit like that. And we get caught up in all the tools. There's like 9,400 MarTech tools alone, right? So there's an absolute yeah. proliferation of tools but it's more about you know talking to someone that says well what's your objectives what are you trying to achieve because so often we go to say well we'll buy this tool and then fit it to the business but it's like no what's the circumstance around your business what do you want to achieve and then you know because there's 9400 of them I'm sure we can find a tool that's best for you and peers mean really well but some people you'll see a Facebook post and they'll say I use what and so someone says I need a tool for this and someone goes oh well I use this Yes, but their circumstances are very different. I'm passionate about golf. Yes, I could watch a YouTube video where the best golfers in the world say swing it like this, but physically <laughs> I'm not at their capability. I don't spend all day in the gym. Like it's very different comparing my ability to their ability. And I think technology is the same. So I really implore you to you know, spend a little bit of time and money up front to get the experts to help you work out what's right for you because the adoption is the most important thing how often do you hear someone says yeah we use salesforce but no one really uses it it's like well that's such a waste it's not the tool it's the actual people and the process that's more important definitely definitely and i agree especially with what you say about not being the tool but the process because we could have the best tools out there and we could invest in all these different subscriptions but if we don't have a good process a solid recurring system it's ultimately going to be quite costly and it's something that we've got to be mindful of, especially when you're in digital and the world is getting more and more digital. And and I'm not talking just social media. Obviously, in a huge sense, social media is very, very important, but how we interact with our clients as well and the process from onboarding right through to delivery of the service is a lot of that has gone digital now. It's very important that we build our business in a way that is long-term going to sustain us, that can run even when we're not around, even if we have taken a holiday or we have a week off and we want to just maybe even relax for a few days, that our team can still be running in the background without us. So I think that's very, very important. Yeah. And I think, Paul, you've built businesses to sell as well. That would obviously have incorporated a lot of systemizing I can imagine and and making sure that you can value the business in a way that the buyer sees that value as well yeah and like I said back in my coke days I coke is a well-run business but also got to see a lot of others and some people say well why was that business more successful than the other and yes look the branding and the positioning it's really important like there's no one thing but I know that the businesses that did the best were the ones that actually had a repeatable process and a repeatable system they did leverage technology they did it extremely well like there's no if you're listening from australia at the moment domino's pizza here locally there was you know the reason why they were so successful is that the innovation and the technology whether pizza's any different to 
Pizza Hut or anyone else's? No, not really. But it was the system and the way they used technology that was really successful. So when we worked with them and we ran with them, it was great to see that innovation. And you can do the same thing in your business. Like if you want the time off, you want the you know, spend time with the family, do the things that you always wanted when you left corporate. It was the reason why you did it. Yeah, if you can get a, a system behind you and a team behind you, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, I think that's a really valid point, definitely. And and it helps your team as well to feel like there's something solid that they're working with and that things aren't going to just be given to them at ad hoc or changed in the blink of an eye. So I think it also gives our staff members and our team a lot of support as well, which is very important. Yeah, because someone once asked me, what's the hardest thing running your own business? It's like, you having to let team members go because you haven't built the right sales marketing and haven't built the right system. I think that's the hardest thing because they, they become like family, right? And if you're not successful, then that really hurts. So I think that's, yes, there's your reasons to do it, which are external, whatever it is, but also for the team, you, you know, yeah, you owe it to them to build systems. Yeah, definitely. I would love to know, Paul, what is one thing that you cannot do a day without in your business? I think it's sales. I generally reach out to people and find out ways to have a simple philosophy. Where are they? Where do they want to be? And can I help them? So that's something that I do every day. Yeah, amazing. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And Paul, I'd love to wrap this up with some rapid fire questions so that my audience can get to know you a lot more. Yeah, sure. And for anyone that wants to get to know Paul a bit more as well and dive deeper into what we've discussed, feel free to send him a message either on LinkedIn or we've tagged him on this Facebook post as well for anyone that's watching live. But let's dive into the rapid fire questions. Go for it. So, Paul, if there was one thing that you cannot live a single day without, whether it's physical or non-physical, what would it be? Linda, my wife. Ah, beautiful. Great, great, great answer. (laughs) And who inspires you the most or who inspired you to start and do what you do today? I think it's my mum. So my mum had the condition. She lost her dad. She lost all her family members. So, you know, most of our family never got to over 40 So mum had, at 41, she had a massive heart attack and she nearly lost her life, but she still was a mum. She was a curriculum advisor, a teacher. She was in the community. She was always helping others. So mum really inspired me to live with the condition. And the brilliant thing is that mum actually lasted, I think, longer than she should have on dialysis to see someone she nearly considered a son, Brendan, of 30 years, to give me a transplant. So yeah, mum was... Inspiring. Just quickly, my dad had polio as a child and he had a fairly rough start in life because of polio. So I think both my parents inspired me. No matter what your physical abilities are, you can always achieve more and always help others. Yeah. Yeah. That's very, very inspiring. And I think our parents have a lot to do with how we end up seeing life and how we they form our the most important years of our lives. So yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Where do you see yourself in five years time? Yeah, I see myself as growing at the community, the, the Cloud Consultants Collective. So I just see that growing to help other cloud consultants to live a better life. So in five years time, I want to be doing that. 
And uh, in my spare time, I want to be giving back to the community. I love to help people with a similar condition to mine. So support them there and also uh, play a bit of golf. Yeah, that sounds great. And I think a lot of what you said earlier as well, it seems like you're already doing that. So it, it's great to see that you are in the place where you envision and you're off to play golf tomorrow as well, which sounds awesome. Now, second last question, if you could leave the world with one message, what would it be? What's one thing that you'd like people to remember? Look, I think the greatest thing I would like people to do is join the donor list. So if people look at my situation where a mate of 30 years can save my life, uh, make my life more enjoyable. If you can either donate to someone you know or put yourself on the donor list, I think that's probably the, the biggest thing that uh, I want to leave. My legacy is to, to help people through my experience know that they've got the ability to do something incredible as well. Yeah, that's so amazing what your friend has done and I can imagine that that is so life transforming and the best gift that anyone could ever give someone. So, yeah, that's huge and, and what an incredible person to give, to offer that. And, yeah, wow. Now, the last rapid-fire question is, what is one big takeaway you've had recently that changed the way you see the world or the way you do things? I think the biggest is just how valuable your network is. So I'm starting this new community and yes, I've got some people I'd love to to in touch with more. And I just reached out to my network. I've got uh, nearly 3,000 people that I've built out over my 29-year experience that are all in a sales CRM. So it's easy for me to look. But I've just gone through and asked them, hey, do you know someone like this? And then also, who are you looking for? And it's amazing at six degrees of separation and, yeah, just how powerful your network is if you you know, always give. So that's what I've always done. I've always given value. I've always tried to help people. But when you go back and ask how forward people are with helping. So that's the biggest thing I've learned in the last month. Yeah, wonderful. Paul, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show and learning more about you and hearing more about the good that you are doing in the world and the impact that you are creating in our community, especially in the business community. Is there anything that you'd like to share, any parting words before we wrap things up? Yeah, look, I think if you're in corporate and you know that your passion lies somewhere else, there's no perfect time to leave, right? So, you know, I waited too long in retrospect. So I think if you're in corporate and you're looking to leave, just do it, right? And there's lots of people who are going to support you and, and you'll figure it out. And then the other thing is if you're running your own business, like we've talked about, just, you know, how can you get it to a point where the business is not running you, you're running it. And I think that's, yes, it's hard sometimes to build the systems, to build the infrastructure to grow. But as uh, Michael Hyatt says, uh, who's a famous author, he said, if you don't have a team, you don't have a business. I think challenge is not to do things all yourself and get other people in to help you. Yeah, absolutely. That's such great tips. Paul, thank you so much again for your time and thanks to everyone that tuned in live or are tuning in now. For more information on Paul Higgins and his mentoring program and also his cloud-based solutions, 
as well as the sales machine, please make sure that you get in touch or have a look at our show notes. We'll be popping all the links to his social media handles on his website as well as the Paul Mentoring Program in the show notes. And Paul, once again, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for the opportunity. Loved it. Thanks, Paul. Speak soon.